0: Welcome to Growth Untold, the podcast, where we dive into thoughtful conversations and insightful discussions with world-class people, all with the aim of inspiring,
1: educating, and empowering our listeners. I'm Mina Masood. And I'm Alex Marjoon. We are thrilled to have you here with us on this exciting journey to explore the diverse stories and the ideas that have the power to shape the world for the better. We believe in the power of
0: storytelling and sharing knowledge from diverse perspectives. In each episode, we'll bring you incredible guests from all walks of life, from renowned experts and trailblazing innovators to artists, activists and community leaders.
1: Our goal of the podcast is not only to be inspired ourselves, but also to inspire the next generation of changemakers. We want to uplift the voices of communities from every corner of the globe and showcase their unique contributions to the world.
0: And as we venture into these conversations, we'll explore a wide range of topics, from technology and innovation, to culture, arts, and social impact. There's so much we can learn from each other, and that's what makes this podcast so exciting. So welcome to Growth Untold, the podcast. So in this first episode, we didn't want to bring any guests on because we really want to explain who I am, who the heck is this guy, how do we know each other, why did we decide to do this, other than that everyone and their dog now has a podcast, so uh, we felt like we were missing out and we had to do one. Uh, but you know, we just kind of wanted to uh, shoot the shit. And um, can we swear? I think we should establish I th- I think some ground swear. rules.
1: I think we can swear. Yeah, we
0: can swear. So so we wanted to uh, shoot the shit and um, just tell you guys uh, a little bit about us. So I'm Meenam Sood. For those of you who don't know, I uh, am an actor, uh, producer, an author. I just basically do a little bit of everything, not very well, and uh, (laughs) that's that's a little bit about me. I was... uh, I was uh, Aladdin in Disney's Aladdin with Will Smith, for those of you who watched that, and um, just hustling and, and trying to make this acting thing work,
1: really. And you're doing a damn good job of doing that, brother.
0: Why, thank you. Thanks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and my name is Alex Mary Ewan, and I am a sports marketer. I've been working in the industry for many years across sports, uh, you name it, hockey, basketball, um, NHL, NBA, and I think, uh, you know, over the past few years, we, we noticed that there's really a gap in the market here for for podcasts. And I think Mina and I got together and we thought we should create something to uplift voices in the industry. Why are you
0: laughing? <laughs> I'm not <laughs> laughing. I'm just, I'm just listening to you, bro. <laughs> yeah, there, there's, there was definitely, um, there was a little bit of a gap, right, in that you know we really want to focus on uplifting diverse voices why does this mic keep creeping closer to me can you, can you guys tell that i'm new at this <laughs> okay so we we did feel that there was a gap um in uplifting diverse voices and yeah. really promoting diverse voices there's so many diverse successful people now that we really wanted to shine a spotlight on those people
1: yeah you know, and absolutely and i think that that's the whole goal of this podcast and we already mentioned it in our introduction but there's an opportunity to extrapolate these world-class insights from world-class people and then really use this platform to deliver that message. Yeah, I
0: always find, you know, it, I think it's easy to be inspired by really, really successful people that everybody knows, you know, like the the A-listers of the world, the Elon Musks of the world. Those people are inspiring in their own Right but there's so many successful people that you've never heard about that just go about their daily business. They're not looking to get famous. They're not looking to like be in the spotlight all the time, but they're incredibly successful. And to me, that's even more motivating because for the average person, it's important to know that you can build an incredible life for yourself without having to make it all the way to the, to the top of the limelight, right? Like you can go about your personal day-to-day life you can have a normal life mm-hmm. but do really well for yourself and 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 achieve everything it is in life that you want to achieve
1: yeah no absolutely you you hit the nail on the head man like i think that it's about celebrating the voices that are unheard and there's so many people that do incredible work behind the scenes and this is the platform's purpose this is why we're here man it's we, we want to help these people and give them uh, you know, the, the platform, the opportunity to share their stories, to, to give them an opportunity to share their remarkable stories, the things that they've went through, uh, dive into some of the nuggets of what's made them the way they are. Right. And I think that, you know, we got a good group of guests that we have that we're going to bring, bring on this show that I think that really, really have uh, just an in incredible and powerful stories.
0: And I think on that journey, that will inspire the viewers, the listeners um, to really learn from those people. You know, if, if, if you want interviews with like, you know, people that you've seen a hundred times, that stuff is all out there. You can YouTube it, you can Spotify it, you can Apple music it. What else? Which other brands do we want to shout out here? <laughs> but you can find all that stuff. You know, we really wanted to bring on the people that, that you may have never heard before. So that can inspire you to do something great. Cause I, I truly believe that everybody out there is capable of greatness. Um, you've just got to Put your mind to it and keep pushing through, and follow what you're passionate about. So, speaking of that, how the hell do I know this guy here, this handsome fella? Oh man, <laughs> um, Alex and I have known each other since we were kids. Um, since what, man? Like since yeah, I was
1: since since grade five. We went to uh, elementary school together in in Markham, Ontario. And I I still remember this uh, to this day that um, I remember in elementary school you got to wait in line to get back from recess, and I joined St. Patrick's Elementary School, and I remember this striking handsome young lad open up a door for me and he let me in and I remember and he's like hi my name's Mina, <laughs> <laughs> and I remember we we kept in touch we played basketball you introduced me to the sport of basketball growing up and you know Amina went through a uh, incredible growth spurt I feel like you were like your height right now in like grade six you were like our starting center that's not true at all
0: but I was taller than you for a while and now you're uh, you've taken you've taken that reigns
1: him to say that but I remember elementary school that's where uh, we became friends, right? Yeah, and, and you were a skinny motherfucker, by the
0: way. Like, you are, <laughs> this happened, like, a couple of years ago where you started bodybuilding, right? Yeah. So Alex has been an athlete his whole life, um, an incredibly dedicated athlete, partly because your dad was, like, pushed you, you know, to be to be great and to go really far. Um, so I've known Alex's parents, obviously, for decades as yeah. well, and your sisters and your family, and your, your whole family took, sports very seriously like your yeah. sister Chantel was like she definitely won some shit like right like I don't <laughs> know exactly what but she definitely like won some races and stuff right
1: yeah I, listen man we're, we're fortunate to be in that environment where our dad signed us up in so many different sports growing up he wanted us to find our passions at an early age I feel like that's why it fueled us to want to achieve so much <laughs>
0: But especially track and field, like track you guys, and field, yeah. cross
1: country, like you name it. You wanted us to be the next Usain Bolt before Usain Bolt became Usain Bolt. Right. Say that five times fast.
0: And um, I did track and field, and we kind of, you know, grew, grew our friendship closer to that. Uh, in that, I wasn't anywhere near as as good as this guy. He um, he achieved some great things. I mean, you were number one, definitely in our school for a while, and then I think you went regional. And eventually national, or was it just regional? Like it
1: was uh, it was regional, but we competed in some national competitions.
0: Yeah. So Alex did really well. Um, was a was a very intense sprinter. We'll, we'll throw up some photos because I think we have photos of me and yeah. you like at track meets. We and do across country, which is insane. I was a pretty good long jumper. I think at my peak, all right, at my pinnacle in like grade seven. Which for the listeners that might not go by grades, what age is that? Grade, like grade seven?
1: seven? I don't even know. Like ten? 11, like
0: nine? 12? No. Oh yeah, because because you're in high school in grade yeah. nine. So what, ten? Math is hard. Yeah, so, 10. <laughs> <laughs> so what, ten or something? Yeah, so it's ten. So at my peak, whatever. At my peak, when I was a grade ten or something, I think I came like second in long yeah. jump after after uh, Mike. Mike. Yeah. Mike was great, man. Mike was great. Yeah. And Stefan. Stefan was a good high jumper. I got pretty decent in high jumping too. Decent. If there
1: was a decathlon, you're familiar with decathlons, right? It's, it's Kind of. Not I, really. I mean, it's not familiar with it. Okay. But it's basically the best athlete across multiple disciplines. So like high jump, right. sprinting, right. running, and then you get points accumulated that awards the best winner. Anyways, Stefan would have won that. By yeah, far. he was pretty he was good, good at everything.
0: Yeah, yeah, he was. He was. Yeah. Oh, what, what is he doing nowadays? Do you have know? I
1: No idea. But speaking of being good at everything, let's talk about you for a second, <laughs> <No>. man. Let's <laughs> talk about you for a second, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Valig Victorian. <laughs> this guy, um, I just, I don't. know, Something clicked in you. I remember you, you. First of all, you always want to be an actor, and I always, I always make fun of Mina for this. Um, in grade five, we were making our emails, and MSN was a thing and um, i you know i i just do build. shout out of msn
0: hotmail bought them didn't they or microsoft yeah. or
1: something It's whatever anyways so but my email was was lame it was like alex dog with like an underscore between each letter at msn.com but minas was famous actor forever at hotmail.com and he said he wanted it to be forever so it never expired. <laughs> talk about manifesting things well, into yeah, into yeah i guess so i
0: guess so yeah i um Yeah, man, growing up was was interesting. First of all, we were two of the only colored kids in school, right? Like, we went to a prominently Caucasian school in a prominently Caucasian town. Um, I think we were, yeah, literally two of the only kids that were visibly ethnic. And, um, yeah, I, I came to, when my parents first immigrated, we actually immigrated to Scarborough. So I went to Scarborough from, like, the age of three and a half all the way to grade three. What's grade three? Six, mm-hmm. seven years old. So, <laughs> dude, you gotta help me out here. You can't just make fun <laughs> of me the whole time. You gotta help me out. What are these ages? <laughs> so, like, ten? Grade three?
1: No, that yes. doesn't make sense. Yes, it does. That you're makes ten sense. in grade three? Your grade,
0: you're you're age, like, nine or ten. We just said ten was grade five. We gotta get consistent here. Okay, whatever. So, so let's say um, you're nine or ten, Right? So from the age of three to nine or ten, I lived yeah. in Scarborough, and that's where I went to school. And then I moved to Markham, which was a predominantly Caucasian town, and there was definitely a shift there. I remember one time in grade four, um, these two girls... And when you're young, right, like, like me and these two girls became really good friends, but uh, Christina and Andrea, they shoved me down into the snow during recess, wow. and they shoved, you know this story, <laughs> like, you've never heard it before. <laughs> oh, my God. They've shoved snow in my face and down my shirt. Oh, wow. And I went up to our grade four teacher, who I'm not going to mention, but she's like a lion. Mm. Right? Mm. <laughs> and, um... I went up to her, and I was like, you know, again, I was like 9 or 10 years old. I was crying. Yeah. I was like, miss, miss, like these, you know, Andrea and Christina just shoved me in the snow, like shoved me in the snow, and this was during recess. And man, I remember her looking at me and being like, if you ever lie about Andrea and Christina again, you will get suspended. You And then she, she like shamed me for like, t- like telling the truth. Yeah. And I remember... You know, by the end of that year, it would rain a lot, obviously, in, in, in Markham, like Toronto. And by the end of that year, I was like dancing to James Brown I during recess that. when it was raining. I and like that. I won her over. And eventually, but, by the time I was in grade eight, I was uh, valedictorian.
1: Valedictorian, incredible actor, Peter
0: Pan. I was Peter Pan. Yeah, yeah. I think I have a photo of that too. We'll throw that up there.
1: Yeah, you were incredible in that production.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you. I must <laughs> say it was uh, <laughs> it was a work of art. Um, no, but um, yeah. So, so I think me and Alex both kind of experienced had experiences of racism. We both played on the basketball team together. Never got played, even though we were the by far the two best players on the basketball team. And by the way, I'm not saying like we were incredible, but like. Y- compared to the other kids in our school we were the two mm-hmm. best basketball players like in our school yeah and we never got played because our coach was racist let's be honest the guy was racist the guy was racist for sure he never played us and then i remember like the end of the end of the year season. tournament yeah. he find we were losing by like 30 points so he just like played us because it was like well now all hope is lost play the play the color kids <laughs> <laughs> and it was like I ended up winning MVP that tournament. Yeah. We were like brought him back. I remember that. Brought him back to within two points. Yeah. And one of the other you know, teammates that didn't know what they were doing stepped on the out-of-bounds line trying to pass me the ball mm. in, and we lost the game. Damn. Do you remember that? No. Or no? Okay, well, I remember that. That, stuff, that, stuff, <laughs> that shit haunted me, man. It affected me. It's crazy. When you're a kid, like when I was a kid, I didn't think of it as racism, right? Because I don't think I even understood what that meant. Because mm-hmm. like my parents never really talked about racism or anything at home. It, you know, we were just immigrants from Egypt, so it was just like put your head down and hustle. Yeah. But as I grew up, I was like, "Holy shit, those people were racist." Mm-hmm. And then it clicks that people are racist. There's racist ass people out there. So, yeah. Do you remember anything racist? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: um honestly like I think we had like similar childhoods in that regard that you know we had we had immigrant parents my parents immigrated from Trinidad to Canada your parents immigrated from Egypt to Canada and I think that we had like a similar mindset to you know, put the heads down, grind, work hard. Let your work speak for itself. I know I hit my head against the mic a couple of times. I know, right? We're still getting here, right? used to this. We're fresh. I know, we're fresh, but <clears throat> I remember that it was uh, it was definitely something that I feel like we we weren't as educated on, right? Um, you know, being people who are visible ethnic minorities and growing up, we didn't know about the oppression that existed. For people and of our, you know, designated group. And by the way, like it, it wasn't that
0: bad. Like I'm sure there's much more racist, brutal places in America. Of like I'm not saying it was bad at all. I loved Markham. I loved the people we, we were growing up with. Like I said, I ended up being like good friends with Andrew and Christina into into high school. even. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was like it's little kids. You don't like th- that. Was probably their way of like trying to become friends, and yeah. Yeah, so I get all that. I, and I'm, I don't mean to be like, oh, this is like negative. Like this is sucks. But you start realizing that, yeah, there's certain things you have to overcome as as ethnic people when you're growing up. And by the way, Andrew was ethnic too, so it, yeah. it's not like it wasn't like a racist thing. I I don't want it to seem like like that in specific was racist. But I think when you're kids. And you grow up in a town like that, and the older adults treat you a certain way. It, it affects you. It affected me, and that's why I still yeah. remember these stories. Like I vividly remember where this happened. It was like the playground. We came out the back. You turn to the right. The snowbanks near like Damn. the other entrance of the school. Like I remember this
1: vividly. Yeah. Um, and these are your formative years, and I think that, man, there's so many things in elementary school that helped us. I feel like that contributed to helping us decide which areas we wanted to work in, right? Like famous actor forever at MSN.com, hotmail.com, whatever. I was always into sports. I had a passion for sports. And now I'm in the business of sports. Right. And then you're you're an actor. I think it's it's just interesting that, you know, the things that we did in elementary school really led us down this path. Yeah, they shape who you right? are. And sp- yeah. We're gonna talk about one thing in particular,
0: though. Yeah. Well, cheers to this. By che- the way, let's ha- let's have some dharma cheers. gin to Darmagin. overcome our nightmares when <laughs> we were kids. <laughs> this is your first time tasting it, isn't it? Whoa. Do you like it? Yeah. Do you typically drink gin or no? No. But do you like it? It's good. It's good. A little smoky. Yes. Because we nice use black aroma. cardamom. Nice aroma. Yeah, we oh, use nice. black cardamom. We use mango skin, green mango skin. So your dad would love it? Oh, my dad would
1: Papa love it. Papa Mariyun would love it. Papa M- Ma Marion, Trinidad and Tobago. Arima, Trinidad. There you go. There they go. love it. Mango trees on their front lawn and and uh, the backyard growing up.
0: Well, there you go. So there's mango in this, turmeric, ginger, black cardamom, saffron. Um, yeah. We just use like really, really high-end different uh, botanicals mm-hmm. from what you would typically get from, from it. This is, this
1: is sensational on an empty stomach.
0: I know. You're going <laughs> to feel it any second now.
1: I already do. That's a little bit about our
0: childhood. Then we went to high school together, right? Yeah. Did you leave for a couple of years, go nah, somewhere else?
1: No, nah, man. I, was just, I was just wasn't as popular as Mina. I was putting my head down in the books. I was running. I was doing track. I was trying to make it to the basketball team. Um, and Mina was just... Mr. Popularity.
0: That's not true at all. Don't give people misinformation, man. I was not popular at all. I was so scared to talk to all the beautiful, popular girls in high school. Like, I love You and me both, brother. Yeah, we were so intimidated. We were, I would say, me and you in high school were like the middle of the ground, right? Like, we weren't the losers. <laughs> right, like, let, let, just be like, just put aside the judgment and just talk about like how yeah. high school is. Right, there's like the labeled losers and there's the labeled cool kids yeah. and there's people in the middle. We were just the people in the middle. Like, we weren't definitely weren't the cool kids. The cool definitely kids not. were like, not us. Definitely not us. Yeah, and I was, and and all the beautiful girls were the cool were cool kids. Yeah, was, you know, and so I was always scared to talk to any of them.
1: But I remember though that. Um Even though Mina was scared, I want to preface this. Mina was scared, yeah, sure, to talk to beautiful girls, beautiful women. But I do remember, though, you on stage. Like, that was, and let's just go back a bit. You on stage, you had a gift of just being not even confident on stage. It was, like, your superpower. Like, you, you, okay, That's sweet, man, thank you. I know, I know, I know. (laughs) But I remember even Peter Pan, like, you felt like you were in your element. Yeah, in high school, when even in like improv club, and you had to stand up in front of everybody and like command the stage, I felt like I was at a first TED talk before TED talks became a thing. In grade ten, when I drop in, and I, it was like an improv club, and I was like shitting my pants. I was terrified to even say more than two words at a English presentation on Romeo and Juliet. Here was Mina leading drama club and being so confident, commanding the room, being on stage. But I'm just trying to say that this is like. You, this is a bit of like a, an attribute and a skill that mean them a suit that you had. Yeah, but you too. I mean I think that's that's
0: the thing as kids that we don't realize or at least my parents never talk to me about is that what made these popular kids popular kids at school is that they were confident in real life right because they're basically you know they grow up to know that they're the shit right like like come on let's be honest like beautiful kids grow up knowing they're beautiful kids whether subconsciously or consciously so they end up being like very confident and the popular kids at school were confident in real life but when i got on stage i was like oh i got this shit i got this <laughs> shit like you guys got nothing on me here like no one can touch me here yeah and you f- probably felt that way on uh, you know doing track and field like you probably mm-hmm. felt like now this is my element. Like, let me show you how this is done. You want yeah. me to run a 100 and whatever? Like, I was, I'm about to do that shit.
1: Yeah, that's true. I feel like that's interesting, though. Right?
0: Yeah, but I didn't Yeah, I didn't think of it that way when I was a kid. I just, you're right, I just thought, felt like I was in my element, like I was invincible, like I felt at home. But I didn't think about it in the sense of, of confidence. Because yeah. if I had, I would have been like, okay, well, I just got to be more confident in real life, and yeah. then maybe I can... You know, you know, just have a better life. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know.
1: And then, and then in, in high school, even though you know we we're still we we're still friends in a way, right? You were going towards acting and drama, well, sciences. You, but then you're also doing sciences, right? And then, and then I was going towards business because I, you know, I had a natural inclination and love for sports. I wanted to make that into a passion. And then we went to university, mm-hmm. and you went to. It's now called TMU, Toronto Metropolitan University, right? But before that, what did you do?
0: Yeah, well, actually, I, I went to the University of Toronto for neuroscience first in Scarborough. Um, and I thought, you know, me and all my Egyptian friends, you know them, right? Like Rami and John. Love um, Rami. Love uh, John. Bubbly. Uh, yeah, Bubbly. Like, well, yeah, Bubbly wasn't going into the sciences, but they were all kind of going down the traditional route of, of going to university, you know, and, and I went to UFT with with Rami and John, um, and those were some of my, like, like it was one year, but I love that year because, you know, two of my best friends that I got to go to university with. But ultimately, I was like, I feel out of place here. And I took drama at UFT, and that was my favorite subject. Hmm. Um... But, you know, my parents obviously wanted me to do that. And I was sitting in calculus class one day and I was like, it just hit me like a freight train. I was like, I cannot do this the rest of my life. Like, I'm going to be miserable. Uh, I was like, I've got to do what I've got to go for it or else I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. Again, it goes back to the confidence thing. I believed in myself so wholeheartedly that I was like, I will regret this for the rest of my life if I don't try to go after this. And so I did. I auditioned for theater school without telling my parents. It took me, like, six months to prep because we had to do a monologue. We had to do a play in three minutes. And, like, this was all for the audition. Um, and they only took 30 people and, like, hundreds of people, thousands of people auditioned for Ryerson Theater School. And I kind of left it up to fate. And I was like, if I get in, I'm going to go for it. If not, I'll continue being miserable in calculus class. Um and thankfully, I got in, really upset my yeah. parents, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's
1: that's what I did. But the thing is is that you've always had that that workout. like I remember grade seven so we were bouncing all over the place, but grade grade seven, grade eight, I don't know, but you were so you had this you put your foot on the gas. there was like a, a third or fourth gear to meet a suit. And I, no, I remember this, and you're like, okay, this is the year, <clears throat> and you were so focused, even doing science projects, you're like, Alex. Like we got to take this seriously, but there was a work ethic instilled in you in grade seven or eight or something clicked and you applied that obviously to your career right now, which is why you've been so successful. But I feel that I just remember that. I remember when we were created like a water filter together (laughs) in grade eight. Yes. And We we practiced presenting this to Mama Masood. Shout out to Mama Masood many times. And her and I started laughing and you were so frustrated with us you're like we have to get an a plus okay take this fucking seriously and i remember you stormed away and your mom and i were like holy shit this this guy's for real but i just i, don't I remember I, this i at all. i memorized that story in, in, in back in your old house in in your basement practicing that water filter presentation i do remember the water filter i do remember it was that, terrible yeah. like that water was murky could have been root beer or water who knows <laughs> We, that was the. That was probably. We were so confident we we're gonna make it to the science uh, competition and. Uh, Is a science fair? Yes, it's a science, a science fair. fair. It was. Come on, we have to agree. That was dog shit. That. <laughs> 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 that filter, maybe. <laughs> you know what yeah, I, mean? I don't.
0: I don't know. I can't remember if we placed. Yeah. Um, I remember competing with another Alex at the speech company. We were giving speeches. Yes. And um, I did a speech about. I think it was drunk. like. Was it
1: drunk driving?
0: No, that was him. I think. Oh. So you remember, So that was better for you. You remember oh, that sorry. one more. Oh, okay. sure. Damn it! <laughs> Mine was about clones, like how they were cloning animals, and it was about like the, like a the sheep, the sheep, the clones. Yes. Okay, no, right? And I was, I did that. And I think I ended up coming in second place, but um, I just loved that too because yeah. it was, it was, it was public performance, yeah. right?
1: And that was the opposite for me. I remember that time I was like dreading it. Yeah. I was like, "Don't pick me." And then Mina's like, "Please pick me. I'm ready." <laughs> All right, you're like, "Let's go." And I remember Mina's. Gestures this day. You were just so precise. You look like you're throwing a dart in each of the audience's chests. <laughs>
0: uh Cringe man, let's cringe if I so good, man. Yeah, the tie. Yeah, probably, whatever I was the time I was probably good now watching it. It's just
1: like what the yeah. hell is this? Alright, let's bring this back. Let's bring it back. Okay, so university, <laughs> right? I went to business at York University You went finally went to theater school and then and we, we gra- kind
0: of lost touch, not yeah, lost touch, we but did. we weren't as close. We weren't we as close.
1: Yet. I think I was focusing on business, I think I was focusing on sports, networking, building relationships, and then you in the same accord in your own sector. And your, right. And then we, we graduated, and I think it was like a rebirth of the friendship of when you were going to LA, mm-hmm. and you're having a going away. Yes. And you invited me, and, and then it like re-sparked the friendship.
0: Yeah, I think we just, you know, both went to different universities, did different stuff, Um, and I was, I graduated from theater school, and theater school was amazing, you know, got obviously they only take 30 people, by the time we graduated it was only 18 people, so they kicked out 12 people along the way, so we obviously all became very close, it was like a tight-knit family. And, um, then I started, I'm a planner. So in the last year of theater school, yeah. I got a busing job at one of the most popular Mexican restaurants Elgin. in the distillery district. Yeah. And I basically worked my way up cause I was like, but okay, if I bus for six months, by the time I graduate, I'll be a server and I need to be a server so I can make enough money to pay my mortgage and all this shit. Cause I had a mortgage, you know, by the time I graduated university. You didn't know this? No. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I was crazy. I bought a condo at like 23 years old. um, Wow. And I didn't know how I was going to pay for it, but I was like, I'll figure it out. Um, So by the time I graduated, I was a server at this restaurant. I made pretty good money, um, and I did that for three years. While I was auditioning in the afternoons, I was serving at night and Mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff. Um, And then I had the going away party because I had saved up finally enough money to move to L.A., and I think I saved up like $15,000 Canadian or something, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> which now with inflation would be like $30,000, maybe like yeah, 20 dollars $25,000. Like Anyways. Bucks. Um, and then I threw a going away party in my b- condo building, uh, in the party room, and um, I
1: left. You left, man. I
0: left. <laughs> and it left was the best thing I ever did.
1: It's the best thing you ever did, man, because I remember within a few months, it felt like, like literally a few months, your, your life changed.
0: Yeah, that's pretty accurate. I mean, um, I had... I had, Man, everything happens for a reason. I had broken up with my girlfriend of like four years. Um, and it took me a while to get over it. But I, I think I mourned and I got over it. And then I moved to LA and it was the most freeing thing ever. Because moving to LA, I was like, I'm doing this shit. And I was... Again, I was so confident. And the reason I keep bringing up this confidence is because I, I will bring it back. I promise. But... I was so confident moving to L.A. I felt like, yo, no one has to offer what I have to offer. And I honestly think that's why things just started happening for me so quickly because I was so uber confident in myself that I was going to achieve greatness. And um, within a couple of months, I booked Jack Ryan with the great John Krasinski and Wendell Pierce. Um, I got to do that with them, learned a lot from them. I had a small role in that. And then I booked a movie that came back and shot in Toronto. And then while I was on set for that movie, you know, I, I booked Aladdin. So um, you're right. It was it was with all a few months. I think I booked Aladdin. I moved to LA in January of 2017. I booked Aladdin in July of
1: 2017. That is insane, <laughs> Holy crap, right? But okay, yeah. walk us through that, the process <clears throat> of you getting Aladdin. Yeah, like
0: I said, I moved to LA. I just... I rented out a closet inside of a bedroom. So one of my good friends now, um, she was renting out the bedroom. I was renting out the closet in the bedroom. I, I, I bought an $80 air mattress from target and that's what I was sleeping wow. on because I wanted to stretch my money as long as I could. Cause I was like, I was, I was like, it's only a matter of time. I just need to buy time. And essentially that's what I was doing. I was buying time for myself. Yeah. Um, and so I was going on, on on auditions here and there in LA. I did I screen tested for a show called Wisdom of the Crowd um, with Jeremy Piven, and that was kind of my first screen test. So that gave me a lot of confidence. And while I was screen testing for that, I booked Jack Ryan. So even though I didn't book Wisdom of the Crowd, um, you know I went to Montreal, shot Jack Ryan, and a, you know I was booking stuff here and there. I was like, all right, things are going well. Like this this is good. This is good. I'm making enough money to keep myself afloat. And I got a call from my agent. And um, from my Toronto agent. And she was like, you know that show that, d- you know, that you wanted to book? And I was like, no, I got no idea what you're talking about. And she was like, Aladdin. I was like, Aladdin, I auditioned for that like six months ago. They're still auditioning for that yeah. stuff? Because I taught myself to just forget about stuff I auditioned for, right? Like that—that that is a defense mechanism one-on-one as an actor. Yeah. Just do the audition, do your best, bring your... Bring your you know, taste to it, bring your take on it and just forget about it. Cause if you linger on it, that's the stuff that destroys you. And again, I'll bring this back to, to, to the whole confidence thing. So I forgot about it. And she was like, yeah, they, they're still looking for someone. And a lot of people don't know this, but I had auditioned for Aladdin. Okay. Thousands of people had sent in self tapes. And obviously, like I'm going to be real with you, sorry to say, but like they ain't watching that shit. They're not watching that shit. They, They didn't watch my tape. The reason they found my tape is that they saw the news of me booking Jack Ryan. And they were having a hard time finding someone. So they were like, what about that guy? He just booked Jack Ryan with John Krasinski. He looks Arab. Do we have a tape for him? And they found the tape. That was how they watched the tape. They didn't watch a tape when I sent it in six months ago. Interesting. You know what I mean? So Jack Ryan was ultimately the reason they even watched my tape for Aladdin. So everything happens for a reason, man. It's crazy. Like Jack Ryan was ultimately, I think, the reason I booked Aladdin. But they watched my tape, and I was back in Toronto. I was supposed to go Blue Mountain with my parents that weekend. Oh, you love Blue Mountain. Yeah, Blue Mountain was a thing in our family. We just (laughs) went to Blue Mountain every year, like twice a year. Yeah. And so they were like, we need you to do another tape. So I started getting really excited. I didn't go to Blue Mountain with my parents. I just like stayed home. I stayed at my parents' house and I just like worked on this audition. Um, And I sent in an audition. A couple days later, they were like, we're going to fly you to London to meet Guy Ritchie and the producers. We want to, you know, see you in person. So I flew to London. It was my first time ever getting a business class ticket. On a flight, I was like, "This that, is the shit."
1: How did that, but how did that feel? Like, when it you, felt
0: amazing, man. Yeah. It felt like, it felt like, I knew this shit was gonna happen. Hmm. Like, I, I was like, I knew this shit was gonna. I'm like, I knew it, motherfucker. <laughs> and again, I was confident throughout that yeah. whole process. And the other two guys I was testing with on Aladdin you know, I, I just felt like I had more confidence in them because I had been doing that. This was in 2017. I had booked my first professional gig in 2011, so I had already been doing this for a while. I went to theater school. Theater school was my life, man. It was 15 hours a day, six days a week, doing like Commedia dell'arte, Clown, uh, Shakespeare, the classics. Yeah, We did it all, right? So I was, I was confident. And so I went to London, and honestly... I think this is the secret sauce to life right here. You want to know what it is? No. Confidence and gratitude. I was so grateful to have even gotten to London to test, and I was so confident that nothing else mattered. Ultimately, I was like, man, even if I don't book this, like the fact that I'm testing for this so early on, it just proved to me that I was right. I was right mm-hmm. to, to drop out of neuroscience. I was right to to go to you know to go into theater and do this it just felt like i did the right thing man yeah and so i went i tested i felt good about it i flew back to toronto and then they called us again after a week they were like we need to fly you back to london you're going to test again with you know uh naomi scott and and another actress who was up for for the jasmine role so i went back um and I tested with both these girls uh, f- that were up for Jasmine. Obviously, Naomi Scott and a book in the role. And uh, me and her just had really great chemistry. It, it, and even though I actually spent more time with the other girl hmm. um, that was testing for Jasmine, we went out for like lunch, we went out for wow. dinner, we rehearsed together. Me and Naomi only saw each other during the test. Like it was just hmm. like. But we just kind of clicked. It was yeah. just like, you know, she was she was a cool cat. Like, she just felt I could relate to her more because her parents are, you know, her mom is Indian. Um, and so we kind of just clicked. And um, we tested together. And then a couple of days later, I was finishing up my last day on this other film. Strange But True with Margaret Qualley, who's huge now. Yep. You know, at the time, I didn't know who Margaret was. Now she's Margaret Qualley. Um So I was doing a film with Margaret Qualley and Nick Robinson, small, tiny role. And um, I got a call in my trailer. My manager called me. My agent called me. And they were like, uh, hey, so, you know, my manager, Brad, played this one, played this one slick. I got to give it to him. But he was like, hey, so we just found out about Aladdin. And my heart's like beating, right? I'm like, holy <laughs> shit, like what? Like, oh man, I didn't get yeah. it. Like, I didn't get it, whatever. Um, and he's like, we found out about Aladdin. We got some some good news and bad news. Um, the bad news is you're gonna have to fly out in two weeks to start shooting Aladdin. <sighs> and I was like, What? <laughs> He's like, you got it. And man, I was, yeah, yeah. it was insane. I went, by, I rapped really early that morning at like three in the morning and I was staying with my parents. I went to my parents at three in the morning. I woke them up from bed and I told them a book to Aladdin. My dad was startled. He was like, what? What's going on? What's wrong? I was like, a book to Aladdin. He's like, what? A book to Aladdin. And it was, yeah, yeah. yeah it was insane, man. It was, it was insane. It was an insane moment.
1: Dude, that's amazing, man. Holy crap. Yeah. I feel like, okay, you talk about confidence. You talk about gratitude. But also, I think that... Whenever people talk about these fleeting moments, these quick moments where you achieve something, they always think that sometimes people get a bit lucky in the moment and maybe maybe there's a bit of luck. Right. But I think it's about it's about everything that happened up until that moment that people overlook. Right. It is the reps that you put in for acting school. It's the reps you put in for auditions. They don't see the failures. Right. And there was so much behind the scenes shit that you did to get to that, few, that short window. Right. Mm-hmm. That's why you're so confident, man, because you prepared so much <laughs> in advance, man. Right. Yeah. All these shows, all of this, all of these were just reps. All of these were just reps to get you. Yeah. All the Aladdin, rejections, man.
0: all the no's. Yeah. And, you know, I think I'm 32 now and, you know, fast forward a few years. H- here's what happened, man. I booked Aladdin. It was amazing. Um, I got paid less than six figures on that film. All right, I got paid as much as I would get, I got paid serving, waiting tables. And if I had to do it all over again, I would do it again, you know, because, like, I got to do this shit with Will Smith, like, one of the greatest actors of all time, in my opinion, has one of the best careers of all time, Um, and I learned so much from him. Like, I would do it all over again, even though I didn't get paid shit to do that film, all right? But an interesting shift happened. I've never talked about this. I think I've been waiting to, like, you know, for a moment like this to really talk about it. But an interesting shift happened after Aladdin, where I became the 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 unconfident, shy, hiding in a corner, Mina Masood again of elementary school, because I did this insane thing right I, I played Aladdin I had the most screen time and I got treated like shit ultimately throughout the process which isn't abnormal anyone that knows the industry knows that's not abnormal right because it's like like yeah of course they gonna treat you like shit like who are you like you're a nobody um, and came out of the movie had a great press right because half the game of, of leading a film to a billion dollars is selling that shit. You have to be a good salesperson, and Will taught me that because Will is one of the best salespeople, like, actors of all time. Will knows how to sell a motherfucking movie. And so we sold the shit out of that movie. Like, me, Naomi, Will, Marwan, Nassim, Naveed, all the actors on that film, we all sold that movie, man, and it made a billion dollars. Dollars, one of like 60 films of all time to make a billion dollars but something weird happened where after the success of the film and feeling like i didn't participate in the success because all of a sudden i lost my anonymity i couldn't go out the same way i used to go out um and feeling like you know, well, I'm still living in this like one bedroom apartment in the middle of Hollywood. Like I was like, I, I felt like I achieved this great success, but I wasn't moving forward. It's like I hit a wall in a weird way. And I knew like, you know, a billion dollars. So so someone saw that money, like someone, <laughs> someone participated in the success of that, but it wasn't me. Yeah. And I started becoming bitter. I started becoming resentful. I started becoming unconfident in that like, Yo, like did I not like did I just did I not just do this? Like did I not just like lead this film to success? Like why is no one betting on me? Like why why am I not getting reaping the rewards of of the seeds that I've sowed? Like what what's going on? And it started really messing with me, man. And I became bitter. I became resentful. um, I became unconfident. Like, oh, I must not be that good. Like, it it must not be me. Like, like the movie must have succeeded. Like, had nothing to do with me. And I started disassociating with it. Um, And things in my life, or my career, at least, you know, hit a wall. And I genuinely think it honestly had nothing to do with with anybody else. I started blaming that on other people, like the industry's racist, like people are blind, they don't see this. But it was it was my lack of confidence that was bringing me down. It was it was my unbelief in myself that was bringing me down. It was it was me resenting it. It, w- it was me putting myself down, and that's what's taken me a few years to realize. Because people forget, like we shot Aladdin in twenty seventeen. Um, it came out in 2019 and then COVID happened shortly after that. But, you know, after 2017, I, I basically started putting myself down. I lost that confidence. I lost that like wide eyed, just like, don't give a shit. I'm going to make this happen. I lost all of that. I lost exactly everything that made me successful up until that point. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I'm realizing now, um, and so I think confidence and gratitude is the secret sauce because I also just became very ungrateful. You know, I became very ungrateful of like, well, yeah, I booked this big thing and it did well, but like, what did I get out of it? Nothing. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. get anything out of it. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I'm coming back to that now, man. And I, I can't tell you how freeing it is. Like, mm. gratitude and confidence and not associating external results with your own belief in yourself that's that's the ultimate success that's the ultimate freedom it doesn't matter what you book like it's not booking Aladdin that made me happy i was happier before i booked it mm-hmm. it's the confidence in myself the knowing like you know what man I don't care if it takes 50 years. I know I got this shit. I know I got this shit on lockdown and it's only a matter of time till people see it. It's only a matter of time till people see what I know about myself. That's the ultimate success.
1: And that's that's amazing. That's amazing that you you, know, you you went through that. Right? I think that entire experience is, or that experience was very important for you to go through, all right? Because you it reminds me of Um, I was listening to another podcast and it was talking, it was interviewing Olympic athletes and a lot of these Olympic athletes, when they reached the pinnacle, right, the pinnacle of Aladdin, the pinnacle of winning a gold medal at an Olympics. It's it's not about that moment. It's the moment immediately after that where they experience the most depression, the most insecurity, and it seems like there's so many parallels between what you experienced and what they experienced. Global scale events. You've captured the, the world's heart. You've captured everybody's eyes. And then when you ba- when you're back to the ordinary, right? It's it's this dichotomy of extraordinary moments versus ordinary moments, and it puts you out of whack. And it's it's great that you bounce back, man. It's awesome to see that you bounce back. And it's right? also
0: imposter syndrome, right? You feel yeah. like you're an imposter, and and there's a lot of there's a lot of external factors that play into yeah. that, right? Like people telling you you're you're shit, you're nothing. The reason yeah. it only did that is because you had an A lister superstar with you, like you're nothing. They could have done it with anybody else. There's all these things that put you down, like like Andrea and Christina shoving snow in my face, and the teacher being like. You're a liar, right? It's all those things. They happen over and over in life. It, it never stops. Yeah. It, I'm sorry to say, but it never stops. It doesn't stop. People still tell you that shit yep. all the time. Um, but you've got to believe in yourself. And I even had, you know, I, I was, again, grateful and lucky enough that I ended up doing another film. Uh, a couple years later called The Royal Treatment on Netflix. And it became the number one film on Netflix
1: in the world. The charisma oozing from you <laughs> on that film, brother. I'm telling you. I had to I had to take uh, Denny. Uh, if everybody's listening, Denny's my girlfriend. I had to, I had to tell her, uh, you got to leave the room. You know, Masood's on the screen. <laughs> right? <laughs> the charm. Oh, man. Thanks, dude. Thanks. But so that movie did well. And
0: it, again, it was that moment of like, I knew it. I knew it. But this time, the high wasn't as high. It only lasted a few days, a few weeks, and I fell back down. And it's because I hadn't realized what I realize now, which those external factors don't matter, man. There's going to be incredible stuff you achieve in life. There's going to be low lows, high highs. What remains the same is the belief in yourself and the
1: gratitude for where you are. It reminds me, and I think I, talk, I talked to you about this before, and we're not sponsored by them, so, uh, you know, free advertising <laughs> for them, but the low-K bracelets, um, and I think I told you that it has mud from the Dead Sea, which is the lowest point on Earth, and water from Mount Everest, the highest point on Earth. Okay. And what it essentially means in the uh, whole entire idea is what you encapsulated, which is Mount Everest, the highest points in your life. you got to stay humble, okay, Aladdin. And the lowest points in your life, the Dead Sea. Right. You got to stay hopeful. Right. And I think this is this is the message that uh, you're giving away to, to everybody and to the listeners. Right. You found a way to be hopeful again. But you're also humble. You know, the next time you book something even bigger than a lot, you're going to be hopeful for the next challenge. Yeah,
0: right? I think it's and and one of my good friends, Jay, Jay Shetty, he, he talks about this a lot where. Um, basically, you know, because he used to be a monk and so. The, the the goal is to kind of be even kiltered all throughout your life. Mm. You know, the sign of someone getting really high off highs and really lows off lows is someone who's not really like they've got a lot of growth to do. And, um, and, and you know, I've, I've realized that I've realized that is just to be even kiltered. You know, even with great success, you're like, you're cool, you're even kiltered. Things get really bad, you're cool, you're even kiltered. And obviously, we're human, so. It's not realistic to be that way all the time, but that's the goal, right? The goal is is to kind of try and achieve that. Um, and so yeah, man, it's it's a work in progress, but you know it was it, it was a great lesson that that came out of that and um, You know, it's, it's, I'm very grateful to be where I'm at and, and take it, take it as a journey. And I think that's the point we're going to try to do that with this podcast, right? And the people that we interview, that's the whole point of this. We want to bring you stories that you've never heard about before, you know, interview people that you may have never heard about before. And, and tell you a little bit about their journeys, how they overcame those obstacles, how they achieved amazing success. And not everyone that's successful is like famous. It's not all people that you've heard about, right? You can, you can get into your head on Twitter and stuff like, wow, look at only famous people are successful. That's not true. There's like uber successful people that you've never heard about. And um, I think they have a lot to offer and a lot of lessons to, to teach us. So that's what we're going to do here on the Growth Untold podcast.
1: I agree, man. I think that the best podcasts that I see, the best books that you read, you, you serve on a platter for the people that are reading and viewing it, right? That you want you give them the keys to the car to extrapolate the nuggets that they can apply to their life, right? And what we're going to be doing is we're not double-clicking on Mina Masood, the actor. We're double-clicking on the struggle. We're double-clicking on how he overcame that. And that's one of the nuggets that we gave away to listeners today, but that's what we want to do for future listeners is take these patterns and double click on their struggles, on what's made them the person that they are today. It's the historical state. It's not the current state or even the future state. It's everything that they've done to get to where they are. And then perhaps we don't want people applying you know, survivorship bias here that you can copy the blueprint. But maybe there's a few things. Maybe there's a couple of things that you can learn and some of the untold, unheard stories at least we can give that platform so people can hear these stories and they can apply it to their own lives. Thank you for tuning in for episode one of Growth Untold. Looking forward to having you guys along for the journey.
0: Yeah, we'll continue
1: to uncover more stories, uh, more
0: untold journeys. And you'll learn more about me and Alex on the way as well. Um, But this is really going to be about our guests. You know, I think they have a lot to offer, so we're looking forward to sharing their stories, their journeys with you, and looking to inspire you. That's what this is all about. We want to inspire our listeners at home from all around the world that no matter what it is you want to do in life, you're gonna experience tribulations, you're gonna experience ups and downs. But if it's your passion, if it's what you wanna do in life, try to use some of these nuggets to help you along the way. Couldn't say it better, man. All All right. All right. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe, share, and join the journey of Growth Untold. Don't miss a single nugget. Hit that follow button now on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and Instagram.